this morning. We are so glad you are with us today. And if you are a guest, we welcome you today. We are so happy to have you in service with us this morning. Pray that you are touched by the presence and the power of the Lord in this in this service today. Joining us online, wherever you're watching from, we know that the same God is where you are. It is in this place today. Trust that He is ministering to you this morning. I want to read uh, three verses from three different places. They're actually all in the book of Romans. I want to read three different verses as the, the beginning of this uh, message this morning. The first one is Romans chapter 3, and we'll read verse 23, Romans 3, uh, 23, and many of you probably can just quote this verse by memory. The Apostle Paul says, for all, everybody that would, would you simply say all? All doesn't leave anything or anyone out. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then a couple of chapters later, chapter 5 and verse number 12, Paul says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, and he repeats the same thing here, for that all have sinned. No exceptions. Doesn't matter if you were born into a apostolic family and raised in the church and never left church and got the Holy Ghost when you were a little kid and started working in Sunday school and seems to be a pathway oftentimes that young people raised in church get involved in Sunday school as one of the first outlets of ministry. That was part of my process. You stayed in church, married in church, all it doesn't matter. All have sinned. I, I, I just said this Friday to, to two people, and I've said it many times before. I will say it again. Biblically speaking, not talking about how we kind of think. Biblically speaking, there is no scale of sin. You and I have a tendency to compare ourselves among ourselves. Oh, man, they did some bad sins. I, I only did little. No. Scripture doesn't all have sinned. And then lastly, chapter 6 and verse 23, Paul says this. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If all of us have sinned, that means we all are worthy of the wages of sin. And that is 
death. Father, thank you for your presence, your power, your spirit in this place, working, moving, ministering already. Thank you so much, God, that we haven't come today to to go through the motions of a religious exercise or activity. We've come to experience, to encounter you. We've come, first and foremost, to lift you up and exalt your name. God, as we do that, you begin to minister to us. And I believe both of those things have and are happening in this sanctuary today. And I pray that that would continue. I pray, God, that faith, there's already faith, but faith would continue to be released. Lord, that the word that I believe you've given me to minister this morning, it would be received with faith. Lord, not received intellectually, not just simply listened to intellectually, but that there would be a mixture of faith with your word that it might benefit us, that we might be profited. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We, we, we live in a world that has this, uh, it, it has this, this um, I don't know, coping mechanism, if you will, of, of redefining things to make them more, more comfortable, more acceptable. Uh, the, the majority of the children are downstairs in Sunday school, so I'll speak a little more plainly than I would if they were in here. It, it always cracks me up that, that the term that two people slept together. A bunch of times when we talk about two people that slept together, they never slept. They had sex. And when they weren't married, they had sex and went their separate ways. They never slept. But it's more, you know, it's more whatever to say, well, they slept together. I, I don't care what the world defines something as. I don't care what terminology becomes acceptable in society you cannot redefine what the Word of God has established. And the other way in which, not the, another way in which we do this has to do with, we, we call it a disease or a sickness. Or we call it an alternative lifestyle. I'm sorry, it's not a disease or a sickness it is sin. And the reason the world has so many issues with all the... And I'm not talking physical diseases right now. You understand. But the reason the world has so many issues with all of its diseases is because you can't fix a disease that's actually not a disease without the right solution. Therapy cannot fix the issue. Because there's only one that can fix the issue because it's a sin issue. All have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
I, uh, I don't know, I, I, I love Christmas, and I've said it numerous times now, and I will say it, I'm sure, throughout this next couple of weeks, that, you know, the song says it's the most wonderful time of the year. And the bottom line is that there are people, there's people in this room right now that this is not the most wonderful time of the year. There's heartache and pain that you've been through, and the holidays is remind you of that. They're associated. Some of you are going through loneliness, and the holidays only magnify that. So, so I, I recognize that that for some it is not. It is not the most wonderful time of the year. But humor me, if you will, for a moment. I I love Christmas. My my. Uh, my son-in-law Jacob asked me yesterday, what's your favorite part of Christmas? And I said, you know, I, I don't think I can really pick any one thing about it. There's just, it's a mixture of a, of a bunch of different parts of it. And so I, I you people that, you know, I, I sister, sister Lou Ann Richards, I think she probably would just keep Christmas stuff up all year, I think. Isn't that right, Heidi? She just, just all year long. And some of you, I, I, there's people that October 31st is, boy, they're, they're busting out there. I, I, I don't, I, I love Christmas, but part of the enjoyment of Christmas for me is it doesn't last forever. And, and, and for years, the, the tradition at our house is Thanksgiving Day is, is kind of the official start. It, for years now, it all starts with, uh, with going to bed that night to, uh, to Kenny G's. Miracles of Christmas album. Man, there's just nothing like the sound of Kenny G on the saxophone. <laughs> but I, I don't know. They, they just this When it comes as early as it does this year, which happens every night, it just seems. And so I, I don't know. I, I, didn't really, I, I didn't really start feeling the Christmas spirit until this week. So a couple of days ago, there's two stations in our area. There may be others, but there's two stations that I, I, I kind of do the same thing I do with my Christian music. I have them right next to each other on the dial. And so if one goes to commercials or whatever, I switch to the other one. Or if a song comes on one of them that I don't really care about, I go to the other one. And so I think it was Monday or Tuesday of this week, I was... I had it all. I had one of those two stations on, and the and the host was. I I kind of caught it midpoint. I I didn't get all of his introductory remarks, but the 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 ending of his point and the point I caught was this, and and I googled this, and according to Google, it's it's it it's it's accurate, and so that means it's it's accurate. I mean, we all know there's God, and then there's Google. There's the Bible and then Google. I mean, the, the Google is not on the same level with the Bible, but naturally, from a natural perspective, Google is. So according to Google, this is an accurate thing. And this guy said, quoting Buddha, that Buddha said, no matter how hard the past, you can always begin again. I, 
I feel like some of you are like, do we say amen or do we not say anything? You're good. I'm going to say it one more time. Now, no matter how hard the past, you can always begin again. I never met Buddha. I don't know a whole lot about him. But with all due respect to Buddha, that's actually one of the most ridiculous statements I have ever heard in my life. Because many of us would not be here today if no matter how hard the past, we could start again. The reason that I say that that statement is ridiculous, not because I am any better than Buddha, but because John says in 1 John 5.17, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. I, I got to tell you, you know, sometimes, man, the King James is just a wonderful translation to read. Because sometimes it says things so vaguely. I, I just, I, I, Brother Vernell Jr., Brother Vernell Jr., but we have to say that on Sunday mornings now because we got both of them in the house. Do, do, I, do I discern, does my discernment work that we've got some septic issues going on? Okay, all right. I feel like sometimes what happens when things, you know, pause. We had issues with the septic, and they, I feel like when things happen like that, many of y'all are sitting there going, "Does somebody? Does anybody know? Is it just me?" So, I don't know what's going on. Brother Johnson's gone. That that also confirms that. So, praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know if y'all are, so I see some fans going. I don't know if it's heat or if it's the, and I see other folks going down. <laughs> don't give it a few moments and your, your nose will adjust and it'll stink just as much and you won't even know it. <laughs> I, the, the King James sometimes, and I, I believe that there is a Level of importance. I'm not getting into it right now, but I leave. I believe there's a level of importance to using the King James Bible. But sometimes the King James Bible says things in ways that's like you know we don't quite get the because I mean okay all unrighteousness is sin. That that's so so let's 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 try a couple other translations here to just clarify. The Amplified says it pretty pretty plainly. All wrongdoing is sin. Funny thing is, I see more of you putting your nose in your clothes now that I've said something than before I said it. Maybe you just feel like you have permission now. <laughs> the Living Bible. Isn't it nice to just have a good time when we come to church? We don't, even is because it stinks. <laughs> the Living Bible says it like this. Every wrong. Every wrong is a sin. You know, we got this oops, my bad thing in our world today. 
There's not just, oops, my bad, when it comes to God and His Word. Every wrong is a sin. And then lastly, the Message Bible says it pretty similarly, but everything we do wrong, everything we do wrong is a sin. Sin. And you can only deal with sin. You can't deal with sin at a therapist. You can't deal with sin at a support group. And I think there's a benefit and help to those things in the right context, in the right ways. But those things cannot fix sin. And the problem is too many people and people in this room today, you're trying to fix the problem without getting the source of it fixed. And until you deal with the sin problem, the only way the sin problem can be dealt with, you may get relief from your symptoms, but you haven't solved the problem. With all due respect to Mr. Buddha, the, the problem is, and I know there are things that are done to you that you have no control over. I'm not preaching about those in the context of this message this morning. But, but when you do wrong, no matter how young or how old you are, you've now got a weight of sin that you are carrying. Let's be honest, when we're young and in raised in church or not, the stuff we do is pretty minor. I mean, stealing a couple cookies, it's wrong if your mom told you not to take the cookies. But I mean, that compared to fornication, they're, they're, sin is sin and the wages of sin is death. But the consequences here and now are not all the same. And so if I've sinned, I can decide no matter if I sin, I'm just going to start over again. I'm deciding that this is a fresh start. And in some ways it may be that, but the problem is you, you, you got, you've got a load that you are carrying that deciding to make a fresh start. Is not enough. Because the reality of the fact is, saved or unsaved, you're going to sin. And if you're not dealing with your sin in the only way it can be dealt with, I don't care how much you decide to start over. You got some, no pun intended, but you got some baggage you're carrying. And the longer that you live without properly addressing sin, the only way sin can be addressed is you're adding to the load. Try to start over all you want to. That's why. And I, I please hear me this morning. I am not in any way, I have no intention of minimizing or diminishing things that, that 
human beings do that provide some help. But I've had personal conversations with people that live under the pressure of how many days, weeks, months, or years now of sobriety. On one hand, celebrating how long they've gone without a drink or without a fix, but yet still carrying the baggage and afraid. When am I going to slip up? So make up your mind to start again, no matter what your past is. You're walking around with a load of stuff. Sober or not. Therapy or not. Well, I I don't know why I'm on this one, but I'm on it. So, Go to your therapist all you want to. But until you get to the altar. And make sure you have properly dealt with your wrongdoing. You may go through a season where you don't stumble or fall. But I'm sorry, it's not the truth that no matter how bad your past was, you can just start over. Some are going to do it. I know some of you are, you're, 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 you're mature enough, you're wise enough, you won't, you've already, you're beyond this. But I, I, there's a good, I, I still, not as much as I used to, but I still, I still fall into the trap. There, just, there seems to be something about the new year and, and a time that, you know, it's a fresh start. And, and I said it last night, I'll probably say it again in a couple of weeks. Changing of the clock from, from 31st to the 1st and being a new year doesn't, there's no magical There is something at New Year, New Start, and so man, all, there, you, you, New Year's resolution. I know some of you are, you're you're too sanctified for that, and you don't. But but be patient with the rest of us. Of course, what is the pretty much the absolute most common New Year's resolution that's going to be made? I'm going to lose weight, or I'm going to get in shape, or some variation of that. The gyms will be crowded. The gyms will be crowded the first several weeks of January. Played racquetball for years, and you could mark it down. For a couple of weeks into the new year, the parking lot at the racquetball club was going to be packed. Give it a couple of weeks, and you'll be back in the same parking spots up front that you used to be in. Because you can't just simply make up your mind that no matter how bad my past was, I'm going to start again. Are you discouraged and depressed yet? If not, and I'm not done. Because some of you need to get a revelation this morning. You got sin in your life. 
Not a weakness, not a struggle. You got sin. Because when you do wrong, it's sin. And you can't start again and, and, and be victorious by simply making up your mind, I'm going to start again. Because every fresh start, unless you've dealt with it the right way, you're carrying your stuff. But oh, my friend, I'm depressed enough, so if you're not. If I will acknowledge all have sinned, and if I will acknowledge my wrongdoing is sin, Oh, I can, I can start again, but I don't just get a new start and still carrying my baggage. I, I, I'm preaching to some people that you come here all the time. You've been coming for years, and you need to get a fresh revelation this morning. Because the blood of Jesus didn't just work for you the first time that you repented of your sins. The blood of Jesus was not just for one application, but it's something you need every single day of your life. So I am here to tell you today, there is a way to start again. There is a way that no matter how bad your past was, no matter how horrible of things you've done, you can start again. Again, but you got to start the right way. Oh, there's all kinds of things in Scripture that tell us what that right way is. But can I just take a moment and tell you that right way like this? On Calvary's hill of sorrow, where sin's demands were paid. And rays of hope for tomorrow across our paths were laid. I'm probably way too high, but I'm already in it now. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from cow. And its waves which reach the throne of God Are sweeping over me Here you go When gloom and sadness whisper You've sinned There's no use to pray. I just look away to my Jesus. And he tells me to say. Because when I look away to that crimson stream of blood, I'm not just making up my mind that I'm going to start again. And I'm going to, no matter what my past, I'm going to start again. But when I look away to that crimson stream of blood and I take the steps that are necessary, I begin to let go. 
of my weight and my burden of the past and I don't walk away with a fresh start carrying my stuff but I walk away I'm going to read it in a moment but I just got to say it now I walk away as a new creature in Christ Jesus old things are passed away and all things All things have become new. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12 in the Passion Translation. For the sake of time, I won't read it in numerous translations, but it says this. When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered human experience and death was the result. And so death followed this sin Casting its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. Sin was in the world before Moses gave the written law, but it was not charged against them where no law existed. Yet death reigned and as, as king, yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses, even though they had not broken a command the way Adam had. The first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah who was to come. Now, there is no comparison between Adam's transgression. There is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that was experienced. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. It's true that many died because of one man's transgression. But how much greater will God's grace and His gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what one man, Jesus the Messiah, did for us. And this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, we are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. But this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words, not guilty. Not, not acquitted with the words of these charges are dropped. Not, not just simply given the words you are not going to be punished. But, but you are declared as not guilty. Death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned over, death reigned as king over humanity. You know what's amazing? I never really thought of this until this moment. But you know what's amazing? The one sin that caused death to reign on all men was absolute. Brother Barr, they ate a piece of fruit. They took a cookie from the forbidden cookie jar. They didn't kill anybody. Nobody got raped. 
all of those horrible, despicable sins that if somebody did them, we could sort of understand. Yeah, the, they just it was as simple, Gus, as all of the fruit in this garden is yours, but one fruit, don't eat that. How, how amazing is that, that the simple act of eating something that was, because it was much, the principle of it was, 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 was the, death once held us in its grip and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as king in life? I, I, I know it's I know some of you have no use for other translations and, and, and I respect your, your 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 opinion and your right to your opinion. But if nothing else, just humor me for a moment. But uh, but but oh, God, if some of us could leave this place today with the confidence that we are held in the grip of grace. I'm, 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 I'm feeling not necessarily from you. It's just that thing that I'm, I'm feeling pressure to hurry. But I didn't preach last Sunday, so I got I, somebody else took my time. I'm gonna, I may take it back. Held. Held in the grip of grace. When I, when, when I... I'll usually let you just sit there, but I'm not going to let you do that today. When, when, when I ride along in the car, I, th- I don't know if she's ever, I've thought about this a number of times. I don't know when it started. We've got this way that we hold hands. You know, a lot of times you interlock, right? Any of you couples hold hands that way? You interlock your family? Anybody? We got whether I'm holding her hand or we got this thing where you hold the two fingers of the hand. I, you know, I had this revelation the other day. You realize when you hold those two fingers, the shape that gets made, isn't that cute? Sister, sister, yeah, and that. If you ever, if you've ever, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not, she, she is, I don't know if sister's. Uh, Sophie's done the co- real colors or not, but I'm just going to tell you if she hasn't, she is gold, not gold, sorry. She is orange all the way. You may not have ever seen her, and I don't think by saying this it's going to make her feel the least bit uncomfortable. But I watch for years now when she worships, she'll, she'll do her hands like that. That's the sign for I love you. Anyway. Say so it just happens. It just happens. If I try to interlock fingers, it's weird. It feels weird. But but when whether we're riding down the road or we're walking along, when I am held in the grip of my wife, I'm not. I don't. I'm not feeling judgment. I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling that she's looking. I. I it's it's the. It's the it's it's about the safest place in the world. When when I when I feel that connection with her, I, I don't I can't even describe. 
I, I got a lot of, there's a lot of great people, a lot of, I got a lot of great friends. I got, there's some amazing men of God in my life that speak into my life from time to time. But I'm telling you, there, there's nobody else in the entire world that can speak into my life, especially words of healing and comfort as, as my wife does. And when I, am, when I am holding her hand, that's what I'm feeling. That's that, that's that grip of grace. I, I, I don't, I'm not standing here feeling threatened. I'm not standing here thinking, well, I'm holding this left hand or the, her, her right hand, but I better be careful because any moment she's getting ready to whack me with the That's not what I'm feeling. You can, you can laugh, and I'm okay with you laughing, but here's the problem. Some of you may be holding on to one of Jesus' hands, but you're sitting there, you're tense, just waiting any moment. He's getting ready to slap you upside the head with the other hand. I wish somebody could leave this place this morning believing that you are living in the grip of grace. living in the grip of your judge you're living in the grip of grace but now how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of the perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah in other words just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression so through one righteous act of Jesus sacrifice the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now a Available to all. One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. So also, one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to Him. Why is it that so many people have no problem accepting the fact that one man's sin caused death to reign on all? Even if it was just eating a piece of fruit that was forbidden, we have no trouble accepting, okay, one man's decision. But why can we not accept that just as one man's sin caused death for all, that one man's sacrifice provides life for all? So also one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to Him. So then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph over, to triumph all the more. The King James Bible says it this way, where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. I think we usually, I usually 
think of that in the context of the broad picture. And I believe today, I believe I can say, I believe with all of my heart that with all of the immorality and ungodliness and sinfulness in this world today, that reaching far above all of that is the grace of God. If you and I can believe that today for humanity, why can't we believe that in your life and my life individually, that wherever sin is, grace. Grace doth much more abound. And just as sin reigned through death, so also this sin conquering grace will reign as king through righteousness, imparting eternal life through Jesus our Lord and Messiah. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Mankind has no solution to deal with sin. But I'm here to tell you today, the blood of Jesus Christ has the ability to deal with your sin, to wash it all away, no matter how despicable it may be. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians, I already quoted it, but I'm going to read it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if any man be in Christ, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Forgive me for pausing again for this, because I do it almost every time, but I'm going to do it again this morning. Got any thrifters here today? My kids in varying degrees through the years have been thrifters. They got it from their mom. I remember when our kids were little, we ain't we didn't have no money. Still don't have no money. <laughs> I remember. She'd go out and go to the consignment shop. She'd come back home with some bags of clothes for our kids. You know what she would say? She didn't say, hey, I went out and got used clothes today. She didn't say that. She came home and said, guess what I got? She said, I got the kids some new clothes. You go out and buy a car. It's not brand new off the showroom. Somebody else has driven it for some amount of time, some degree of mileage. More than likely, when you go to tell your friends that you got a car, you're going to tell them, guess what? Hey, man, I got a new car. Really? What would you get? I got a, I got a Ford Pinto. 200,000 miles on it. All the young people are like, ha, ha, ha. What's the joke? Ford Escort. 
My Aunt Rhonda had a Ford Escort. Boy, I was... When I got my first car, my parents got me a car. When I turned 16, I got a, a Ford EXP. A Ford EXP was a glorified Escort that looked like the Mustang model at that time. You go on Carvana today and buy yourself a new car that they bring in your driveway that somebody else, you're going to tell people you got a new car. And all of that because I believe that at least subconsciously that when we read this verse, that's the new we're thinking of. Consignment shop, used car dealership, new. That's not what the Bible's talking about here. You're not just a you're not just a a, 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 a restored like new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I said it, I think, just a couple of Sunday mornings ago. There's not a person in this place that when you were born again, instantly all of your struggles, failures, problems, struggles left you. Some of you had addictions that the moment you got the Holy Ghost or the moment you got baptized, you never struggled with that addiction one more time since then. Others have continued to struggle with addictions after getting baptized and getting the Holy Ghost. But no matter what, none of us got out of the waters of baptism as a perfect person. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, did not lie here. But what I believe this verse is saying is that God calls those things that have not happened yet as though they already were. Because he knows he's got the power and the ability to make you an absolutely, completely brand new person. So you know what? I still got some stuff that seems to pop up from my past. But the good news is today I've got something down on the inside that is working. And every day I am becoming more and more of a new creature in Christ Jesus. So how do I get in Christ? Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. Romans 8 and, excuse me, Romans 6 and 4. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I am here to tell you today that if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, if you've never been completely put under the water in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you are missing out on the one of the, if not the greatest opportunities of your entire life because that is not a ceremony 
ceremonial ritual that is not just some kind of initiation to a religion, but when you do that by faith and you go under those waters of baptism, I don't care if you feel something or not. I don't care if you feel anything or not. When you do that by faith, you are now in Christ. And when you are in Christ, you are a new creature. Old things passed away. All things have become new. Hallelujah. I was was seven years old. I was seven years old when I got baptized. I, 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 can, I can basically remember. I, I was seven years old. Again, I thought the worst thing at that point was I took cookies that I shouldn't take. So I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't living at that point necessarily. Maybe this is why this was my experience. I wasn't living at some at that point of some huge load of my my sin and my past, brother Brian. That, that, that was, you know, I mean, I I I had my backpack. That was it. <laughs> I didn't have my backpack back then. It was probably about my lunchbox. But oh, I've heard it so many times. I've heard it so many times in basically one of two ways. That when people have been baptized, and you can get baptized anywhere. You can, as a baptistry, you can do it. You can go do it out in the river. You can do it in a hot tub. You can do it in, as long as it's enough water for you to go under, do it wherever you And, and I, I think well, we have come such a long ways, such a long. Our, our, our biggest issue now with baptisms back there is every now and then the water's cold. Most of the time it's about as warm as a bath, but every now and then. And I, you know, for years, for years we didn't have no filtration system. You'd go to you'd go to baptize somebody, and back in the day, we had a piece of plywood that was cut out in the shape of that top of that tank, and that thing sit on there. And when when Paul got saved, brother Greg, he was blind, and God gave him sight. There's been a few times when people were in that process of getting saved. I was like, Lord, can we give them blindness? Because you would move that lid off of that horse water trough. And there would be this film across the top of that water. That's the times I think that it's really most been an amazing thing to hear people say what I'm about to say. They come up out of that water. When they get done, they'll say, I feel so clean. Don't matter if it was clean or dirty water, I feel so 
clean. And the other one I've heard many times, I think I like this one a little bit better because the other one I've heard many times is people come out of that water and they say, I feel like a load. I feel like a load. Why do they say those things? Because that's exactly what happened. And not everybody feels it that way. Not every person comes out of the water and felt that. And that's why I said a moment ago, no matter what you feel or don't feel, it works. Whether you feel cleaner or lighter, it doesn't matter. It still did the job. It's not a duty to perform. It's not a religious ritual. And it's not intended to be a public affirmation of faith. I'll just leave that right there. You are baptized into Christ. Put on Christ. I wish the Bible, the Bible says in two different places, Along these lines, the same principle in one place, it says that, that, that he casts our, sea, our sins as far as the east is from the west. Why did he say east and west versus north and south? Because north and south have fixed points. You can only go so far north, and if you keep going, you start going south. But if you start going west and have the means to keep traveling, you can keep going west for the rest of your life. The only way east meets west is when you turn around. So he says, I'm going to cast your sins so far from me that there is no point point at which we're going to reach them and then he says this he casts them into the sea of forgetfulness the one who has the ability to remember everything and does not lose memory with age made a choice to forget There is no place, hear me please, there is no place in Scripture that ever promises us that the enemy forgets and probably in some ways more significantly is there is no place in Scripture, Brother Anthony, that promises me that I ever forget. No place. In fact, I've learned from experience it's the opposite. Because either the voice of the enemy or my own voice has been in my head many times. What are you doing? Don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember your past? 
Go ahead and just decide to start over no matter how bad your past was. Good luck with that because I'm not going to let you forget your past. And the struggle that we have so many times is because you and I can remember our sins We struggle with the fact, has God truly forgiven us? Because if I remember, then God probably remembers. If you're here today, I'm not done. Some of y'all are going to think this is the end. I'm not quite done. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm not talking about just being sprinkled with a little bit of water in the titles, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, but being baptized completely underwater in the name of Jesus Christ. You can do that today. You can do that right now if you want. It wouldn't bother me the least bit if you got, hey, I want to go There's right back there. You can do it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't, don't, don't put off for tomorrow what you could do today. So if you've never done that, I, 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 would, I, would, I would encourage you to do that before you leave this place today. But, but as, I, as I make contact with the tower and start our approach to the airport, I would venture to say that many of you here today, that the first time you repented, And got baptized in Jesus' name. And filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I would venture to say that most of you didn't really have a problem believing that God had just forgiven you of everything. It may have sounded too good to be true. It may, have, it may not have made sense to your natural mind. But you believed it in that moment. problem becomes this. The longer we walk with God and continue to stumble and fall, the more we struggle with faith that the same blood that forgave us, that washed us the first time, is the same blood that will wash me again this time. I'm preaching to some faithful saints of God in this place today that if we could see the invisible, you are living what I was demonstrating earlier in this message. You're here today. You got your hands up. You're praying. You're worshiping. But you got stuff hanging all over you because as convinced as you were that the blood worked the first time, There are, I don't, I'm not going to get bogged down in this, but just in case somebody here this morning doesn't fully understand this terminology, there are the majority of the books of the New Testament are what's called the epistles. In fact, Romans through Jude are epistles. First book, first, first four books of the, of, of the New Testament we refer to as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts we refer to at that as the history of the New Testament church. And, and that's not true because when you talk about the history of something, you're, you're implying it's past. The book of Acts is the beginning of the New Testament church. But we are still today, 2,000 plus years later, a part of that same church. 
But then Romans through Jude, and then there's Revelation. Revelation's a book of prophecy. But Romans through Jude are what's called the epistles. And really, in essence, in modern-day terminology, the epistles are simply letters. Several of the epistles are letters. The name of those epistles are based on the places that they were written to. So Romans is a, is a, is a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians at Rome. Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians are letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And then there's a couple of epistles that are named after the, the man that God used to write them. But the bottom line is this, epistles were written to saints. Hello? Epistles were written to saints. So what I'm about to read to you, number one, is not a plan of salvation because it was written to saints. But I want you to notice what was written to saints. I think too many times we know this verse, you're going to know this verse when I read it, but we think it's written to the sinner. It wasn't written to the sinner. It was written... To believers, 1 John 1 and 9, if we, if we, who's the we? Those that have been born again of the water and of the Spirit, filled with the baptism of the, that's who we is here. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Same blood. Still works. It'll never stop working. It'll never lose its power. I know that it reaches to the highest mountain. And I know that it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. I'll say it this way. That gives me strength from step. To step, it will never lose its power. It soothes my doubts and it calms my fears. That same blood dries all my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day will never. Barnes note says this about cleansing from all unrighteousness by forgiving all that is past, treating us as if we were righteous, and ultimately by removing all the stains of guilt from the soul. Removing all. If there was, if there was marks up on this wall right now, dirt and grime or whatever, I, we could we could go get the paint. We could paint over it, and you wouldn't see it anymore. But if you had seen it, you would know 
It's been covered. But it's still there. Can I tell you today, the blood of Jesus is not a fresh coat of paint that hides the stains of your past. The blood of Jesus is not just a new coat of paint that hides. Guy on the keyboard this morning is my dear guest. That's my son, my youngest. He's uh, just got married a couple months ago. Really, months? Yeah, it was months. Got married a couple months ago, and he is a what you could call a coffee snob. My, my wife just got this new coffee pot. But it has a built-in grinder so that you can make a single cup of coffee from fresh coffee grounds. <laughs> Most of my life, if there was coffee that needed to be made after dinner or at a family get-together, I was, I was the man. Dad, can you make some coffee? Dad, will you make us coffee? Seriously. I don't even offer any. Really, I think it kind of all started 10, 15 years ago with my cousin who lived with us for a couple months. And I don't know. That's, that's where I, I blame him, not my wife. And, and so for the last, I don't know, probably the last year or so that he lived at home, he made his coffee every morning in his room. Kind of sad. I could never just sit and bond with my son in the morning over a cup of coffee because mine wasn't good. <laughs> I don't know how or when it happened, but apparently while he was still, it's probably, it's probably no wonder why. He stayed with me at youth camp this year. We shared a kind of a hotel-type room at the camp. And, and, and I, I, I felt like I was sleeping in Starbucks. Let me rephrase that because Starbucks is a thing of the past. I felt like I was sleeping in ceremony. <laughs> Open the door. I like my cup of coffee in the morning. I don't like I don't like coffee scented detergent. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but at some point in the past before he got married and left home. He had some kind of an accident in his room one morning, and there was there was a stain on the wall of his bedroom of grinds or I don't what was it it was espresso. And and good brother Mike Humchuk here came over the other day and was so kind as to freshly paint that. Guess what? If I hadn't told you that and you walked in that room, you would have no clue. And that's great for you. But and, and that's not a problem, an issue, or whatever, but use it in this. For Nathaniel, when he walks in that room, he doesn't see the stain, but he knows. 
the blood of Jesus. Removes all the stings. So it makes it not so you just can't see it, but it makes it as if it never occurred. Adam Clark says this Reader, it is the birthright. It is the birthright of every child of God to be cleansed from all sin. Notice what he said there. He didn't say sinner. It is the right. The, uh, he, said, he said, child of God. It's the birthright of every child of God to be cleansed from all sin. To keep himself unspotted from the world. And so to live as never more to offend his maker. All things are possible to him that believeth, because all things are possible to the infinitely meritorious blood and energetic spirit of the Lord Jesus. That's, that's what you and I have a right. I don't have to call the name of it because once I say what I'm about to say, the great majority of you know exactly what I'm talking about here today. But. There's too many of us that still believe in penance. You got the confession part okay. You kind of got the confession part okay. You're willing to confess your sin. But then you're sitting there waiting. Okay, tell me what do I have to do now? I won't won't call any names. I mean, I I hesitate sometimes because I'm like, I don't want people to like, I am never texting or emailing pastor because he might use my email in his service. So I don't, I at least don't call names, okay? I won't call your name. I, I, I got a text a couple days ago from somebody that they kind of, they kind of misunderstood they needed to be at something. And I, I was, I'm, I, at least I was sensing this kind of feeling, you know, kind of feeling bad because they didn't know. And I responded, and my response was, do 25 Hail Marys, and then. (laughs) The bottom line is this, how many born-again apostolic believers in this place? You're willing to confess when you confess your sin, you're now waiting, not for what is that hand of grace that's holding me going to do or say. But you're waiting. Because in your mind, you're not hold, being held by that hand of grace. In your mind, you always see yourself standing there before the judge. What's the verdict? is an impossibility no matter how bad your past was for you to simply decide that you're going to start again it can't happen when you let the blood of Jesus do what the blood of Jesus can do when you confess your sins when you repent of your sins 
whether it's for the first time or you've had to repent numerous times. You can start again. But not with the shadow of the past, but as a new creature in Christ Jesus. There was another plane that jumped in front of us and the tower said we have to take a loop around. I have a question. Do you, do you believe, I believe this, do you believe that when God created us, when God created the human body, Tommy, do you believe that God could have created us in a way that when we get cut, that we could heal in such a way that you would you could never even see that you got know why he could not have saved us. I mean, I look at all the stuff God's done and the way he's, what he's created. There is no way in this world he couldn't have decided that I'm going to create the human body that if you are wounded and get cut, that it, that it, it would heal and you'd never even be able to. But that's not the case. There's not an adult in this room. Bottom line is there's probably not a child in Sunday school school approaching two there's probably not a child in Sunday school and up not a human in this room that does not have a scar at least a most of us we got so many I'm talking physically we got so many we can't even count some of them may have happened in a way you don't even remember what they were but then there's others tell all my stories again today, but I've got, on both hands, I've got scars on each hand, and, and a couple of those scars are from absolutely stupid things. God could have created me in a way that those scars, that those wounds would have healed, and, and I wouldn't have known it, but, but I have those when I look at them, they are a reminder. Whichever they are, whatever, I, I, I remember. But the deal is, most of them are from at least a couple of years ago. Some of them are from my early 20s. Some of them are from my childhood. They're not, there's no pain there. They don't hurt anymore. They are a reminder. The natural is an illustration of the spiritual. God intentionally designed things naturally to give us spiritual examples. And if we could look at our spiritual man today, we probably we would see a bunch of different scars from our past. And again, in this context this morning, I'm not talking about what people did to you, hurt. I'm talking about choices, decisions you made that caused your own pain sins you committed but now you look at those and you, you still have scars of that and the problem is this the enemy comes along and he wants to use our scars against us how could God ever love you don't you remember that how could God ever use you don't you remember 
usually what we do is we say, thank you, God, for saving us. You know, when Thomas saw Jesus for the first time after his resurrection, they had told Thomas Jesus was alive. He said, I got I to gotta see it for myself. I'm not going to give my whole spiel right now, but I don't think Thomas deserved the nickname Doubting Thomas. But when Jesus appeared to the disciples the first time Thomas saw him, he realized that the way he proved to Thomas it was him, it wasn't by looking looking over in the room at somebody that was blind and saying, be healed. It wasn't because there was somebody in the room that was crippled and Jesus looked over and said, rise up and walk. And Thomas went, my, that's dope. It's Jesus. You realize the thing that Thomas saw that confirmed to him that it was Jesus was the scar. Because scars were not intended by God to be a source of condemnation and guilt for your past. Scars. I preach to people sitting on these seats right now. I'm talking to you right now. Your scars, your scars are not intended to be a source of your condemnation and the guilt. When the enemy comes along and says, you see, look at that scar. You're supposed to say, you know, yeah, you know what? Let's talk about that scar. Let's talk about what happened that got me that scar, about the sin I committed. But also, let's talk about where I am and what I am doing. Let's talk about the fact that I have not given up my faith and my confidence and my trust in God, but I'm still standing. I'm still believing. And so you know what, devil? Thank you for the reminder that no matter what I've done, no matter how much I've messed up, the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse me of all of my wrongdoing. I want everyone to stand, if you would, please. becoming the last several months I find myself becoming more and more frustrated personally and as a pastor of how far below we often live with regards to what the word of God says belongs to us in this room right now you're still battling condemnation over something you did 15, 20 years ago blood the blood is not just a fresh coat of paint let's hide it so nobody knows the blood can remove the stain Close your eyes, if you would, please, just for a moment. There are some people in this place today. I believe there's some guests in this place today. And I believe some people today that you're faithful church members in all categories, whatever, whatever label you put on yourself, guest, member, whatever, whatever it is. But there are people in this room today. 
And I believe the Holy Ghost has brought me here with a word from the Lord today for you. That it is the will of God for you to leave this place today with a confidence and a certainty that you actually can start over again today. But you don't start over again today still carrying the baggage of the past. You can start over again today completely washed and made new by the blood of Jesus. So as eyes are closed, as you're you're just not looking around for a moment, if you need that today for the first time, or if you need that for the thousandth time, would you just as a step of faith step out of your seat right now make your way down to this altar and would you let the blood of Jesus wash over the only thing you've got to do for that to happen is confess your sin but if you will confess your sin he is faithful and just to forgive you of all all not some all unrighteous. Some of us have no trouble believing God will forgive us for some of the things we've done, some of the mistakes we've made, but that's not what it is. It's all. It will cleanse us from all. Come on, church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. In Jesus' name. I'm amazed. Oh, yes, Lord. So amazed. The blood still works, Lord. Your blood still works. No matter how many times I've needed it already, it still works. No matter how many times I'm going to need it in the future, it still works. The blood works. The blood works. The blood works. Oh, you can have a fresh start. You can have a new beginning. But it's as a completely brand new creature. Old things past. All things. All things have become new. So amazed. So amazed. So amazed. I'm so amazed. I'm so amazed at how much you love me. I'm so amazed that you would choose me. All of my baggage with all of my failures, all of my mistakes, you would choose me. But you do. But you do, Lord. I'm so amazed. 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 I'm so amazed
the name of Jesus. Oh, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I know I don't deserve it. I know I could never earn it. I know I could never be worthy of it, but God, you give it freely. You don't just hide my stains. You don't just hide my stains. You remove my stains. You make me completely new. works. The blood of Jesus still works. The blood of Jesus still works. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. That's the power of the blood. The power of the blood is He can change it. The power of the blood is He can transform you. He loves you exactly the way you are. He loves you with all your failures, all your faults, all your mistakes. But He also loves you too much to just let you stay that way. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. 